Oh, yeah. Hi, kids. It's Adam Troutman. Welcome to Life Happened Anyway. Podcast of my life, love, and the general pursuit of badassery. Thanks for uh, putting in your earbuds or putting on a speaker or something. Listening to what I got to say. I appreciate it. I was kind of sitting at home earlier and I, I, I wanted to, you know, do another podcast and I, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. Uh, sometimes these subjects are meant, you know, I, I intend this podcast to be sporadic. I kind of intend the, the subject matters to vary quite a bit because I want it to be more conversational. I want it to be something that it's kind of like we're sitting down and talking. So I had this kind of cool story that popped into mind out of nowhere. So I figured I'd share it with you kids. So uh, let's kind of get to it. Gather around kids. It's story time. Story time with Uncle T. I was in a band when I was a young man and it was called Switch Hitter. And Switch Hitter was a pop punk, pop punk rock type of band. And I was not the original drummer of this band, but I came in later on. And um, at the time, the members had all switched instruments, you know, during different songs, and that's why they called themselves Switch Hitter. And so I was in this band. This was about, I think this was 2002, maybe 2003. A little little show was going to be coming through my town called the Vans Warped Tour. And somehow, some way, I don't quite remember the circumstances, but we got a slot in one of the sideshows, or the side stages, I should say. Uh, if you don't know kind of how these festivals work, if you haven't been to one, or if you're just not familiar, a lot of times they have, you know, a big main stage, and some large festivals festivals might have a couple of main stages, but this particular one, Vans Warp Tour at the time, had one main stage, and then had three to six side stages, usually. And, you know, there's a lot of expos, too, with this kind of stuff. Vans sponsors a lot of, um, you know, skateboarding and, you know, all kinds of different stuff. So somehow we got this gig. I wish I could remember. Maybe I'll have someone on that can uh, help me out. I'll have a band, former band member on or something. But we were on at, like, 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And the main stage started around noon, I want to say, or 12.40, 12.30. It was kind of a weird start time. But anyway, so we we have to get there. All the bands have to get there early. So we had to show up at like, I want to say, between 10 and 11. So we pile in our Dodge conversion van, the mighty Dodge conversion van and trailer. And we, we pack it up and head down. And we we pull into this parking spot back behind the amphitheater. We noticed next to us there's this, you know, I don't know, just looks like just a a white rental sedan or something. And these two guys are just getting absolutely (laughs) shit-faced. They've just got like this entire case of beer or like two cases, three cases of beer in the back. I don't remember quite how many, but it was a lot. And they were just chilling, getting, getting hammered. And... We opened the side door to the van, and they greeted us, and we we uh, started chatting with them, and uh, they offered offered us some beers and stuff. Of course, we had this guy in our band. His name's Haas. In fact, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have him on here a few times. 
he strikes up this conversation with this guy and finds out that he was in a band at some other festival one other year, and the only CD that Haas had bought was this guy's band. So they start talking. They're getting along. We're all just kind of hanging out. We find out that he is actually a manager. He's actually management for the opening act on the main stage. And that band was called Two Cents. And what was kind of cool about that band is that their lead singer, his name was Adam also, and he was a drummer. So it was kind of cool. His stage setup, they'd put him in the middle up front on a, like a mini riser and it was turned to the side. And so he would actually look over his left, look over to the left. And so you'd get a side shot of him drumming so he could look and sing to the audience. It was pretty cool. So, you know, that band had gotten an opening spot on the tour. So he was basically drove up there. He rented a car, I guess, to drive up there and kind of see his uh, his boys off. So we're just kind of hanging out, talking, getting to know him. It's a pretty funny conversation. The day kind of continues on. Then we go, we play our show, and you kind of hang out for a few hours. Uh, but we kind of decided to kind of take off. Um, we'd been there for quite a while, and it was a hot day. But there was kind of this storm that was coming through. And so we pack it up. We start driving down the back access road, and we we see this dude, and it's the same guy. We see this dude, like, wandering around like a lost child, like, just had no clue where he was. So, of course, we're all thinking, well, yeah, because he's, you know, 20 beers in, 20, 30 beers in, or whatever for the day, and is just, you know, doesn't know what he's doing. So we pull up, and we're like, yo, you know, you lost, and he's like, my, my my buddy left me. So the other guy, I guess, just got tired of him being so drunk that he took off and just went back to the hotel. So just left the guy there. Now, mind you, mind you, this is before Ubers, right? I mean, nowadays, if that happened and you had Uber or Lyft on your phone, it's not really that big of a deal. Someone, you know, if you if your ride fell through or someone took off and there was some miscommunication, you just pop up a ride and you're gone. Back then, that was not the case. So he had no idea what he was going to do. He was out in the middle of nowhere. This amphitheater where I'm from is is in this just on the outskirts of this town called Nampa. And between Boise and Nampa, it's not like a short distance. So it's it's not just an easy an easy ride to get back. So we offer him a ride to his hotel. And so he gets in the car and and again, he and Haas kind of start talking again and and they realize that they know some similar people or they, they know some of the same people, I should say. And one of them was a couple of the members of a band of one of our favorite bands called Fishbone. Uh, Fishbone is a, a pretty, not pretty, they, they are a very well-established band from California. And we had known those guys and played with them. Our buddy Haas in the band was actually pretty good friends with their bass player, Norwood. But he challenges Haas that he doesn't know. And he's like, well, if you knew Norwood, then then you'd know his phone number because the last four of Norwood's phone number uh, is funny. <laughs> I, I can't go any further. I don't want to, you know, in case the number's the same, I don't want to go any further into it as far as what the number is. But he starts, the, the one guy, the guy starts saying the, the digits and then he and Haas in unison finish the entire number and they start laughing. And, you know, then the guy realizes that Haas actually knows this dude. So we, we get back to the hotel and I, I want to say, 
was it at the hotel? Maybe, maybe it was a little before. I could be wrong. He basically said, look, because you guys gave me a ride back to my hotel, let me hook you up with a gig down in L.A. You know, I've got this this show the showcase gig, and I've got two cents on it. I've got Fishbone on it. I've got these other bands. Why don't you come down and play? It's going to be at the Whiskey a Go Go. And we're like, oh yeah, that'd be great. And and <laughs> I, I have to admit, I just the guy was so hammered that I was like, he's not going to fucking remember this. There's just there's just no way. You know, of course that'd be great, but I mean that's the show business thing i mean it's always someone always knows someone who knows someone who knows someone and if i oh, i can just call my buddy and get that you know get this for you get that for you and most of the time it's 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 complete crap it's not how it works out so this guy says hey i'm gonna do it so we're like all right so we get we get to his hotel uh we kind of hang out in the hotel bar for a little bit and hang out with him and then we go our separate ways and later on i remember we went and, and played for that summer and stuff. And this may have been 02 actually come to think of it, but it was a little ways later. And this guy actually called Haas and said, okay, I've got a date for that showcase at the whiskey. If you guys can make it down. And of course we're like, well, hell yeah, we can make it down. So we, we, what we did was we built an entire um, tour off of that. So we took like, yeah, I think the tour was in August of 03. I want to say so. Warp Tour must have been a few months before that. I, admittedly, I don't quite remember. Warp Tour is usually a little earlier. Uh, so, yeah, a few months later, this guy calls back and says, yeah, we've got this gig. And sure enough, um, we you know, we check it out and everything. He's got this gig booked, and it's a, it's a showcase for, you know, for like a label. A lot of times in the music business, they'll, labels will do, labels and management will do like showcase shows of up and coming artists and they'll they'll put you know established bands on there and introduce the new the new bands and stuff sure is sure enough sure as the day is long this guy gets us this gig and so we booked this tour and we ended up uh touring i believe it was through like oregon up through you know the top to bottom california i mean we, we did this whole big loop and we go down to LA and dude, there it is. I think I still have pictures of it, but I never thought that that would happen. I mean, some, some of my favorite bands at the time, um, had a lot of history down there and the whiskey a go, go was one of the places that a lot of these, you know, bands played at. So it was a really cool thing to actually see that happen. So we do this tour and we'd started out. I definitely want to say we went through bend we had this cool band that were friends of ours called No Cash Value. In fact, I think they're still a band if you want to check them out, No Cash Value. They're a punk band. They're really good. But we go through, you know, Oregon and into Northern California. On the way through Northern California, this is crazy. We're driving through, and uh, Emily, she was in our band at the time, gets this phone call on her cell phone, and it's this dude uh, from Arista Records. At first, like as the, as the conversation started, we we're like, "What? What? What? What does this dude want?" But he was a you know a, a talent scout essentially from this from this label. He had seen that we were on the bill and got a hold of us through our website and said, "Hey, I want to come. I want to come check it out." 
So to put him on the list. So we got off the phone and we're freaking out. Like here's this, you know, Arista is not a small label. And so we thought, well, holy shit, we've got this, this, this dude who wants to come check us out. Now in reality, let's look at this in reality, kids. I'm sure that that's the game all the time. I'm sure that he, maybe he did want to come check out a band or two on this bill and was it us? Maybe, maybe it was. I don't remember meeting him, but you know, what a play, right? To get into the club for free. You just get a hold of the opening little out of town, nobody and make them, you know, make them think that, that you, uh, that, you know, that they're special in some way and put them on the list. So we did, the guy did show up. Um, uh, I, I did see from the door guy, I did see that his name was actually checked off. Like he, he came in. But, uh, you know, he never talked to us, and that's that's cool. But for what it was, I mean, the fact that it was so, like, almost absurd that this, you know, we give this drunk guy a ride to the hotel, and this gig actually happens, and then this dude from a label calls us. I mean, that was it was pretty crazy. We, we, were, we were pretty much on cloud nine. So we we go do this gig. I got my first tattoo while I was there. I got this first, my first tattoo was in LA at this place called the uh, American Electric Tattoo Company. Um, I don't know if they're still around, but that was my first tattoo I got. And we kind of had this band tattoo that we all agreed to get. So if you're, you're, if you're in Switch Hitter, then we all, we all had a tattoo that we had to get. So I got it. And so I go to play this gig with a, with a fresh tattoo on my shoulder wrapped in everything that day. <laughs> oh man. Uh we we go in, we we play the gig and we actually had a really good set if I remember correctly, if my memory serves me. We had a really kick-ass set actually. And uh, two cents of course who was playing up here was playing. We got to meet them and hang out with those guys. Uh and of course we got to hang out with Fishbone as we usually would and smoked a lot of weed with fishbone <laughs> but what's funny about that gig so it's kind of like it feels like it's this glamorous thing to get a gig like that for you know for me like i i, I always thought oh this will this is you know this this old school la club you know it's it's what i always wanted this is awesome and let me tell you what you you finish your set and this is exactly what happened we got done finished playing we took our stuff off the stage and and the 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 line guys and stuff took our stuff off the stage opened these gigantic barn doors out to sunset and put our shit out on a sidewalk <laughs> I, I just remember thinking this is not real life this is a thing so two of our band members had to guard our shit on the sidewalk while uh, one of our other band members, John, John goes to get the van that we parked and bring it around. And we're, we're waiting for him, I believe. And, and we're sitting there and Haas is like, Oh, Hey man, meet, meet Aaron. You know, he went to Eagle with us, Eagle high school. And he's, you know, buddy of me and, and one of our other friends named Justin. And so I, I look over and I shake hands with him and talk for a second. He had moved there. He was, you know, he was uh, exactly our age. I think he graduated with us. I meet him and we're talking and I guess he had moved down there recently to pursue acting. 
And so, of course, I mean, like, here we are. We're all a bunch of nobodies out there. And looking back, that was Aaron Paul. <laughs> that was not like, that was perhaps a nobody at the time, like we were. Uh, but that was Aaron Paul. And uh, I got to meet him well before he did anything cool like he's done. That was pretty cool. So, in the, you know, in this one event, I, you know, we got a, a killer. We by, by taking a drunk guy home, we got a kick-ass gig at the Whiskey A Go-Go. Got to play on stage at the Whiskey A Go-Go. Got to party with Fishbone. I got to meet Aaron Paul before he was anybody. And I got my first tattoo. I mean, like, what a tour, right? It was so amazing. It was so good. You know, the rest of the tour after that, um, it was pretty fun. And we played a couple gigs. Uh, we, like, we, we played in Anaheim. We played a couple other places in California. And uh, came back up home. I remember when we left, though, the last gig we played, we went back up to Northern California. We played at this place in, uh, oh, I want to say it was San Francisco. And, you know, we played to nobody. For some of these shows, I mean, it was absolutely, absolutely nobody. And that that's kind of the tour life sometimes. But we played this gig in San Francisco to nobody. Pack the Pack the van. And we drove straight home. <laughs> I don't know how how we did it. In fact, I think it was a shout out to John because I think that that he was the one that did it. He just drove. He drove us straight home. We were done with the tour. We were broke. We smelled. You know, but we had cool stories, right? I mean, we met a lot of cool people on the tour and got a lot of got got to do a lot of cool stuff. That was an interesting time. Um you know, we didn't make any money doing that, by the way. I mean, it, it was completely for free. Every gig we had, basically, the the finance side of it is that we all, we calculated what our fuel costs would be, and we all split it by four, and that's what we did. And so we always had the, the gas money. So we knew that we weren't reliant on any kind of ticket sales or any kind of... um merch, you know, merchandise sales, anything like that. Cause we had stickers and t-shirts and all, and all kinds of stuff, but that was all just kind of bonus is how we, we took it. That is what we did. And we drove home and that was that tour. That was pretty cool. I was just on cloud nine. I couldn't, I couldn't believe how cool it was to play down there at the time. I mean, I was pretty young, you know, looking back, of course, it was just a lot. It was a lot of shitty gigs in a lot of shitty places. And a lot of people that, you know, didn't care about us. But, but I tell you what, I had a great time and I wouldn't take any of that stuff back ever. Well, kids, look at the old uh, clock rooting on the wall. Might as well leave you with a little a little ditty by Switch Hitter, I guess, just to kind of uh, have you kids uh, kind of know what it, what it sounded like. But... Um, I'll catch you guys on the flip side. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Maybe I should have said a thing or two. A simple explanation of why. Maybe I should have said it was all your fault.